often in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Right now, we're in a very special time of the church year, and I wish it had a better name than it does, but it's just called the season after Easter, (laughs) which kind of puts the emphasis on Easter where it belongs, I guess, so that's good. And in this season after Easter, uh, we're going to have an opportunity uh, to study where we are in relationship to the risen Christ and what a difference his resurrection has made in our life or should make uh, in our lives. The biblical basis for this season is found in the Acts of the Apostles, which tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, he remained on earth for 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, he ascended into heaven and returned to his rightful place beside the Father in heaven. And 10 days later, on the 50th day, the Pentecost day, He sent the Holy Spirit to enliven and to give life and direction to the church, you and me and all who have followed Jesus since his resurrection. In the next seven weeks, as we count off those 40 days, John the Evangelist, through his writings, is going to instruct us on Jesus' words during that period when he appeared to his followers and enlivened their faith and gave purpose and explanation to what they had experienced. John is going to speak to us through two of his writings, through his gospel And through the last book of the Bible, which we know as the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse, which tells of the end times and the coming of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom once and for all on this earth. So this is a very vital time for us to renew our faith as followers of Jesus Christ and to be instructed As the early church was instructed, we are going to share the syllabus that Jesus developed for them. And we're going to visit Jesus' words to them and realize that we're not just reading history, we're reading the words of Jesus Christ spoken into our hearts. And that we must hear those words and make them a vital part of our life. The reading from the gospel today took place last week. Last week, which was Easter. And so John first records for us the events that transpired one week ago on the actual day of Jesus' resurrection. When after sundown, while the apostles were gathered in the upper room, with the windows shuttered 
and the doors locked for fear that they might be next in the dragnet of the Roman Empire and be hauled before a tribunal and summarily executed as Jesus was. They literally feared for their life. And in that fear, they came together and gathered in that upper room. And there, locked away from the rest of the world, suddenly, much to their amazement, Jesus suddenly materialized in the center of the room. And he spoke these words of comfort to them. Peace. Peace be to you. No longer fear. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about your own safety. I've come to bring you a peace and a confidence in what you will be called to do and in what you will be able to do. Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me to you, so now I send you to the world. John tells us also that at that first appearance of Jesus, one of the apostles was missing, Thomas. Thomas comes in late after Jesus had left. And of course, the first thing that they tell Thomas is that they have seen the Lord, that he has been right there in their midst And just as they had written off the witness of the women earlier that morning, so Thomas writes out, uh, wipes away and writes off the words of the apostles as mass hysteria. And he said, can't believe that unless I can see him with my own eyes and touch him with my hand and put my finger in the holes in his hands and in his feet and my hand in his side and know that it is truly him and not a ghost or a figment of my imagination unless I can satisfy myself, I will not believe. And in doing that, Thomas vocalized the feeling of many Christian people down through the century who have to come with grips as to whether or not they have sufficient evidence to believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose from the dead and now lives in heaven on the throne of his father and has entrusted to us his Holy Spirit. Then John's gospel accelerates one week and brings us to today, where we are now. The Sunday after the resurrection. This time, they're all gathered in the upper room. They obviously have not seen Jesus during the week. 
But Jesus has been busy. And by reading the other Gospels and some of the narratives in the Acts of the Apostles, we find out that he has appeared to his brother, James, who was not a believer during his lifetime and satisfied James's doubt so that he totally and completely converted to becoming a follower of his brother and whose witness was so convincing to the other apostles that he, the brother of the Lord, was now a firm believer in Jesus Christ, they chose him to be their leader in Jerusalem. And James becomes the first bishop of Jerusalem. He also appeared to two unnamed disciples who also had left Jerusalem dejected and disillusioned because all the hopes that they had put on Jesus Christ as being the Savior had been dashed by his death on the cross. And now they're leaving his invitation to be witnesses to him and they're going back to their former life wherever and whatever that was. And we know them only as the journeymen on their way to Damascus. Jesus overtakes them in their trip and he begins to ask them who they are and where they're going and what their hurry is and they begin to tell him about how they had been followers of Jesus and how his death had destroyed all the hope that they had had and that they were shucking it all and were just going back home to who they were and what they were before. And then Jesus began to ask them some probing questions that made them think. And then using all of the scriptures, he pointed out to them all of the prophecies of, of the ancient times that, that predicted all of the events that Jesus had just gone through in surrendering his life and help them to understand what had really taken place and what it meant. And then as they were dining together that evening and continuing in their conversation, Jesus took bread and he took some wine that was there on the table and he blessed them and he gave them to the two followers and the scripture tells us that at that moment, seeing Jesus do this very familiar act that he had done at the Last Supper, blessing the bread and, and blessing the wine, that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And all of a sudden, he vanished. And they immediately turned around and ran back to Jerusalem and got to Jerusalem after the events of Jesus appearing in the upper room. These 40 days 
and the words that John will share with us from the book of Revelation and from the Gospels are very important to us, informing us as followers of Jesus Christ and answering for us the concerns that we have about some of the objections that we hear voiced all around us by people who are unable to believe and trying to justify their unwillingness to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you some homework that I want you to take seriously and use to prepare yourself for this seven-week journey that we're going to be on in renewing our faith. I want you to read the last chapter of the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And that last chapter has to do with Jesus' appearances to his followers after his resurrection from the dead. And then on John's Gospel, I want you to read the last two chapters. John gives us a lot more information, and you're going to hear about that in uh, uh, the ensuing weeks. But I want you to read that this week. And then I want you to read the first chapter of Acts. That's just six chapters that I'm asking you to read. You can do one, one, a, one a day for the next week. And that will help prepare you for the journey that we're going to be on in following Jesus. Read those with an open mind and compare them with one another and to fill in some of the things that might be missing in the narrative that you use as a basis of your faith. Now, I want to advance the timeline a little bit. I want to leave John's gospel, which talks about events that happened sometime in the year 33 A.D. and go 60 years into the future. That will take us to the year 90, which is the time that John wrote the book of Revelation that is also going to accompany us during this week. The chapter that we just read today set the scene for you. And it told us that John was on the island of Patmos. By the year 90, John is the only surviving original apostle of Jesus Christ. In fact, by 70, 20 years earlier, all of the apostles were now dead, each one having been martyred for what they believed in Jesus Christ and gave witness to their belief with their life rather than to deny their belief in Jesus Christ and accept some other God or religion or activity, they remained faithful to him 
and they gave their life. John, they attempted to execute on several occasions, but with the protection of Almighty God, he slipped through their fingers each time. And so in desperation, they finally exile him on a desolate island in the Aegean Sea, which literally was the Alcatraz of the Roman Empire. And there John, who had gathered some of his followers because he was a bishop of the churches in Turkey, and they would come out to the island to minister to him and to help him and to carry messages back and forth from him to his churches. And so they came there uh, to that uh, island. And the narrative that we read today tells us of an event that happened on a Sabbath morning, much as we are gathered today on our Sabbath morning to worship God. And in his worship, God suddenly revealed to him all of the events of the future and showed him all the faithful people of God were going to have to suffer, the persecutions that they were going to have as the kingdom of Satan tried desperately to overcome the kingdom of God. And as difficult as it was, the message was Satan will not succeed. He will win many battles, but he will lose the war. And that becomes a vital part of the good news of the gospel, that we know how it's going to end. It's going to end in victory. And Jesus will subjugate evil and destroy it and wipe it away from the earth and establish his kingdom here. And so John was told to write a letter to the seven churches in Turkey of which he was the bishop, much like our bishop Mark Lawrence is the bishop of so many churches in the state of South Carolina. And it is his job to maintain the faith and orthodoxy of the belief among our churches. So John was instructed by the Spirit to write specific letters to his churches in Asia Minor. And if you read the opening chapters of Revelation, it will list every one of these churches. And in these writings, John writes a very personal letter to each one of them. And he points out to them their weaknesses of how they are beginning to slowly surrender some of their faith to the culture of the times. And then he points out their strengths and tells them how important it is that they build up these strengths and become committed followers of Jesus Christ. And he tells them that some of them are going to suffer some very serious persecutions. But the gospel of Jesus Christ 
will be maintained, will survive, will prosper, and will grow. And these two readings that we have for today give us a message that we need to receive very well and that we need to truly hold on to. And that is that Jesus has risen from the dead and has proved his resurrection many, many times. And that we are always going to live in this world in tension with the society, with the culture in which we live. Now, in ancient times, when we didn't have the source of communication we have today, these persecutions would go along at different parts of the kingdom, but it would take months, if not years, for word about those persecutions to reach some of the people. And so some were living very, very normal lives where in other areas persecution was rampant. And they were able to concentrate on what they were achieving and they were able to grow without being distracted with some of the difficult things. We don't have that benefit today. Today, if there is something evil that's going on in the most remote part of this world, we see it on the evening news. And those communications have truly brought us together into one community and one society and things that are happened are immediately spread out. And if we allow ourselves to be overly concerned about these isolated incidents of martyrdom that are taking place in the Christian world, then we can be very uneasy and very fearful. And that's, I think, why Jesus said, Let me give my peace to you. Have the peace in the confidence of what I have offered you that we are going to win the victory and that these events, while they will be very traumatic for the places and the people who have to endure them, they will not threaten you yet. And that you must be faithful and confident in God's love and protection for you. Peace be to you, he said. Now when when, uh, Thomas confronted Jesus in the upper room that week after the resurrection. And Jesus suddenly appeared in the midst of the room his eyes fell immediately on Thomas. And Thomas knew what was in Jesus' mind. And without Jesus having to say anything to him, he immediately fell to his knees and confessed Jesus as the risen Christ. And when he did that, Jesus uttered a blessing over Thomas When he said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen me and you believe. And then Jesus did a remarkable thing. He looked past Thomas and he looked down through all of the centuries yet to come 
right down into the year 2016 to Somerville. And he looked directly into your face and my face and the face of everyone gathered in every Christian church in our community. And he spoke a personal blessing to us. Blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen. But blessed also are those who have not seen, who do not have the privilege that you have to actually see me and yet have believed. You and I have a blessing from Jesus Christ that says he is going to give us the faith to understand and to accept and to live our life in full and perfect faith in him. And in doing so, we'll be able to be fitting witnesses to his gospel. In the oration that appeared on the wall up here that we opened our prayers with, our service with this morning, we prayed that we might be able to demonstrate with our lives the faith that we profess to have. In other words, that we will be able to project the joy of the gospel through the way you and I live our lives among the people of our society that we live among that we should be able to show the joy of Jesus Christ and the peace of God that is within us. And that we'd be able to project that to others. And that we will live our lives in such a way that people will say, I know what he believes and what he holds dear because of the choices that he makes that set him him apart from so many other people that I know here that are just going with the flow and living from day to day. But they live with a purpose and with a meaning to their lives. The gospel that we had, as John ended that chapter... He said there were many other things that Jesus said and did during the 40 days that he was on earth that have not been recorded in Scripture. But these have been recorded for a purpose so that you can understand the power of the resurrection and you will allow that power to change your life and your attitude and the way you profess your faith faith among others. So please be real intentional about the homework I've given you. Read those chapters this week prayerfully and think about what it says to you and how it should change you as a believer of Jesus Christ.